Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said it couldn't be done. Have you ever looked back at people in history? You know, the ones who said something couldn't be done and sure enough, something was in fact done. I just want to share some of these. I think these are great. A Boston paper declared there was no need to transmit a human voice over wires and that it couldn't be done. And in 1876, Alexander Graham Bell invented and successfully used a telephone. Could you imagine life without a telephone? They said it couldn't be done. Here's another one. In 2007, USA Today, I mean, that's a publication we're still using, indicated the iPhone would, wouldn't take off. <laughs> Good job there. How about this? Not within a thousand years will man ever fly. Do you know who said that? The guy who invented the airplane later on. Wilbur Wright conducted the first flight. He himself said it, and then he went out and did it. I think that's funny. In 1835, Thomas Treadgold, Thomas Treadgold, a British railroad designer, said that any general system of conveying passengers, any system of conveying passengers, would go at a velocity to go at a velocity exceeding 10 miles an hour or thereabouts is extremely improbable. 10 miles an hour. Custer, in 1876, Customer said, he, he said this, he arrived at Little Bighorn, and he said, hooray, boys, we've got them now. <laughs> he said that before the battle, and it's true. He only saw a fraction of the Indians that were there. 1888, Simon Newcomb, director of the United States Naval Observatory, said, we are probably nearing the limit of all we can know about astronomy. Some of these just kind of make me. 1895, Lord Kelvin, British mathematician and president of the British Royal Society, said, heavier-than-air flying machines are impossible. Okay, that, that went well. <laughs> um, Dr. Richard van der Reet Woolley, a British royal astronomer, said, uh, going into space, he said, it's utter bilge. It's bilge, it's utter bilge, it's trash, he said. You know, people went through and they did these things anyway, right? They invented cars anyway. They invented the iPhone anyway. They did it anyway. They went to the moon anyway. This this one uh, there's one one of this list probably my favorite is this fellow Fred Smith nearly flunked a college paper where he, where he suggested overnight delivery would be successful. His professor believed the logistics would be improbable. Years later, Fred created Federal Express. <laughs> this guy, Fred, saw that it could be done when he was still a student, when he was still a young man. And he pursued it and did it anyway. You know, sometimes uh, these people who do these things, they're told it can't be done, they do it. I don't know, why do they do it? They do these great things. They do things that change um, our lives. You know, I really, iPhones, or any smartphone for that matter, it doesn't matter what, what phone it is. How many, of you, is there, how many of you in the room do not have a smartphone or a phone? How many of you don't have a phone? A cell phone, we'll say, a cell phone. Every single person in this room has a cell phone, even though they said it couldn't be done. How you choose to use your phone is up to you. But they said, somebody said it couldn't be done. Some very 
educated person got up and said it couldn't be done. And they did it. And thanks to those men and women, whatever they came up with and whatever they invented over the years, our life is very different. Uh, in some ways, I suppose it's easier. I heard an interesting comment. My dad and I both heard this comment at the conference, and I thought about it. I thought, man, that's, that's a very good comment. This is a bit of an aside. The cell phone or, or, or media, this was it, media, uh, like uh, Facebook, Instagram, these sorts of things, are the exact opposite, the exact opposite of God and how he wanted to have ministry with us. He thought something was important, and he didn't just get put it in words. He sent his son. Isn't that good? But somebody still had to come up with that technology, and we can use that technology for good. It got me to thinking, what about being great? What about us being great? I've never invented anything. I, don't, I suspect that none of you have invented anything. There are other ways to being great, and as followers of the Lord, we can be great, and it will just kind of slide right into that. Dylan, you back there? Is that your head I see? Just the top of it? All right, Dylan, let's fire up the first slide. We're going to go into a, to a verse here. And I want to set this up just a bit. There is a big problem going on that by today's standards, we would use a very challenging word to describe it. There's widows. This is Acts 6. There's a, there are two sets of widows that need support. They need help. They need food. And every day they would go for an allotment of food. And the two sets of widows, one are Jewish-speaking and one are Greek-speaking widows. Okay? Two sets, Greek, Jewish. And, and, and the Greek-speaking widows didn't get as much food. They had problems getting food. Their social split, the social class split. One gets help, one not so much help. What would we call that today? We would call that racism. This is a major problem. They've got a big issue on their hands, but it's nothing that can't be worked out. Are you with me? So they decide, and they were... The, the apostles were taking care of uh, all of this. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, the 12. Okay, this is the, the 12 apostles now. Uh, it is not right that we should uh, give up preaching the word of God to serve uh, tables. To serve tables. What they're saying is, this has to get figured out. People got to eat. People got to eat. This is not rocket science. People got to eat. How, how is this going to get done? Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to the prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, we know the apostles were teachers and preachers, and they did all that kind of stuff. Somebody had to help with this other thing. So I love how they went about this. They got the whole community together. The 12 got all the disciples together and said, hey, everybody, we got a problem. You guys use these three qualifications, and you pick somebody out that can help with this. And the qualifications, again, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. So you're picking out seven guys, good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. Find those people. You decide amongst yourself. So if I would say, okay, everybody, we've got a problem that has to get solved here. You all decide amongst yourself with those three qualifiers, then you could do that. You would work together. Hey, how should we do this? Who should it be? Who should it be? They all work together. Boy, you talk about smashing racism right in the nose. That does, doesn't it? So he had them work together. They got together. They came up with seven names. You know, I was thinking about this as I was working in this message. I wonder if they would have picked me. Isn't that sobering to think about? Would they pick you? 
Would they pick me? I don't know. I would pull up my wallet. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's a bad joke. <laughs> All right, so they go through and they pick seven men, and we're skipping a couple verses because I want to hit one of the guys they picked. And Stephen is one of them, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So Stephen, we know, is this group later became known, this group of seven later became known as the first set of deacons. And Stephen was one of these deacons, an amazing man. He was later uh, taken, and some people lied about him, and, and that they were false witnesses, and they, they started stoning him. Before they stoned him for this blasphemy, they said he was blaspheming God. In fact, he wasn't. He was just trying to glorify God, and there were people lying and making up stories about, about him. And uh, he preached a sermon in front of this whole group of religious, non-believing leaders. It was the second longest sermon in the Bible, the longest sermon in anybody by anybody except Jesus himself. Who did it? A deacon. A guy selected to give food. That's pretty great, isn't it? And I love these qual I love this next verse, the last verse, I just read it, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. His job is to distribute food. But look at this. He's full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. This is, this, this is, he's, he's a deacon, but look at what he was picked and known by. This is amazing. This is a great man. And he died a horrible death. And we look back at him and you say, wow, Stephen, you were a great man. When they buried him, it actually says in the scripture, in one of the translations, I think the English Standard Version says, they made great lamentations over him. He was a very normal man, assigned in a normal ministry. But then there's another one. There's another of these first seven deacons. Philip. Philip's another interesting guy. Let's look at it. Next slide. And again, I kind of split this up. I wanted to just isolate some specific parts to Philip, Acts 8. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Now, I want to stop here. We know Philip was a deacon selected, selected to distribute food. Now, we know that. Sometimes in churches today, they call him Philip the evangelist. And they say Philip was the first evangelist. Philip was selected to give food, and he just shared of the Lord. He is not the first evangelist. He shared of the Lord. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was seen, being said by Philip. He would go out and he would preach. And we know, for if we broke down the preceding verse, it said he would share of the gospel, share of the story. And he was doing it actively. So in other words, this was over a period of months. It was active. So he would go out and he would approach this crowd and they would all listen. And he would go to this crowd and they would all listen. All the crowds listened with one accord. When that guy talked, people listened. And do you know what his job in his congregation was? To give food. It seems like such an opposite, doesn't it? It seems like we have Philip, who's the a food giver, but yet he's out in the streets talking. And there's Stephen, who's the food giver, who does all these miracles. I like the second part of the verse. Uh, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So not only is he out talking to people about the Lord, he's doing signs with people who don't know the Lord. 
What's his ministry in his congregation? To give out food. But yet he goes out and he's doing these signs and wonders for people who don't know the Lord. How many of you, have you ever thought about this? When, how many people, I wonder, I would love to know how many people when they go to congregation on a Sunday morning, that's when they expect all the good things to happen. That's when they expect. They say, after service, I want somebody to pray for me so I feel better. Or so my family member's taking care of. And it's a good thing. It's something that we do. But there are seven other days in the week. And that first guy, those first guys who serve food, knew that. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. So this food server is tearing it up. He's getting it done for the Lord. Now there's a part that I, and I cut it out here, I'll just tell you real briefly. The Lord had told him to approach this guy in this chariot, this Ethiopian man, and, uh, and, and tell him about the Lord. And, and Philip did, he ran and he caught the chariot. Think of how fast that was. He ran and he caught the chariot. And the uh, uh, Ethiopian man gives his life to the Lord. It's a great thing that happened in the chariot, great discussion. It's a great account, really. Um, and the Ethiopian sees water, and he says, let's, let me get baptized. And, he, and Philip says, sure, let's get baptized. And that's where we jump in. When they came up out of the water, Philip and the Ethiopian, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. He was a eunuch, and he went on his way rejoicing. So imagine this. There's this great conversation. The guy gives his life to the Lord. He gets water baptized, and they come out of the water, and Philip, poof, he's gone. But Philip found himself... He found himself. Could you imagine being the one who disappeared now? You know, I was just in Milwaukee. Now I'm in Florida. Um, but Philip found himself at this other city, uh, Azotus, and he passed through and preached the gospel to all the to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What was his job in his congregation? He walked all the way with God. He was in his congregation. He did what he needed to do in his community, didn't he? And he left his community, and he was out and about sharing of the Lord, seeking to minister with the Holy Spirit with people who don't even know the Lord. These are great men. True? True. Anybody say they're not great men? Excellent. Actually, it's really excellent, because I can't imagine what I would say if you thought they weren't great. <laughs> so, he, they were great men. What about us? What about us? I want to be great. I do. I want to be great. Do you want to be great? I'm, are you convinced? Do, do you agree with me that there probably isn't anybody who wakes up and says, I wish I was mediocre today. I can't wait to get my day going and be average. If you have a job, do you know, do, do when you go to your, before you start work, do you think, when I go to work, if I can just be so-so, I'll feel really good about myself. I mean, nobody says that. Everybody wants to feel like we contribute and we do a good job. Isn't that true? true? So I don't think it's any different for a walk with God. I wake up and I think, God, what, what, what now? What now? What now? I want to be great. This is where I pause with a small commercial break. This is the first of a series. And we're going to look at several elements about what makes it great. What makes us great. What is great in the kingdom of God? And I know some of you have some go-to verses, and you can say, I know this verse. If you want to be great, learn to be a servant of all. But we're really going to look at it. And the first thing I want to hit today, the first thing in our series, is this. Well, let's look at it, Dylan. 
do it for the glory of God. Everything that Stephen did, everything that Philip did, all went back to the Lord. Whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. The glory of God, there's been books written, and it is probably one of the most common, historically common uh, topics to study on because there's been things studied and considered on the glory of God for many years. The Bible talks a great deal about the glory of God. I want to look at the glory of God for one simple thing. It gives us perspective. The greatness of God gives us perspective of how small we are. And it's a good thing to remember every now and then. God is great. We are not. It really helps it really helps. And it seems like, by the way, it's really good seeing you, Jacob. It's nice to see Jacob. He's been away at college. I'm sure he brought me a souvenir. But the glory, the glory of God, and you know, all through the scriptures, we get these examples of glory. Moses uh, has this wonderful life where he sees God in a burning bush, and, he, and the Lord speaks to him and says, you're going to lead my people out. And, and Moses goes, goes back, and he leads the Israelites out after 10 plagues and uh, miracles along the way, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna and the quail, cloud by day, fire by night, travel with the Israelites, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, so many times, so many times. And uh, Moses, um, toward the end of all of this stuff, let's look at it, Dylan. Of all the things to ask for, the Lord replies to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, I look, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Wouldn't that be great if God said that to you? He does know us, you know. And he knows us by name. But that's quite a way to know Moses. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And that word, that first part, glorious, glory, show me, show me all that comes with you. Show me all of, all of the attributes of you. Um, describing glory, I think, is a lot like describing, and I've heard, I've heard other people use this. This is not my own original, but it's a lot like describing beauty, what somebody thinks is beautiful. Um, some people like uh, the mountains, and they'll say the mountains are beautiful, and some people like the sea, and the sea is beautiful. How do you describe the beauty that you see with that? You know, when I was married, um, well, I remember when I wanted to date my wife, I thought she was beautiful. She said no to me three times. That's the truth. She turned me down for dates three times. I had to keep getting working my magic. <laughs> Finally, I got in there. And, you know, and I, but I would come home and I, was, I would tell my friends, and they, you know, is she pretty? Oh, yeah, well, describe her. Uh, how do you describe pretty? You know, how do you describe beautiful? How do you describe uh, what you're attracted to? And the glory of God is... You know, how do we describe this? But we know that it's a, the glory itself is a beautiful thing. Isaiah, went, he had a vision, and he sees in heaven that, that um, the Lord sitting on his throne, the angels around him, and his glory, and all, this, all of this stuff. And the first thing he says, I can't even talk. My, I have a dirty, what, everything, look where I am. Words, there's, words can't even, I have a dirty mouth. I have an impure mouth. I can't even say anything here because of where I'm at and what, what I'm seeing. You know, seeing the glory, seeing that kind of beauty is beyond us. And if we remember the greatness of God, if we remember the glory of just the glory, the attributes, the attributes of God, that he defines, literally defines what is good, literally defines uh, what is peace, literally defines all of these things. If we think on that and we think, well, 
what do we bring to the table? You know, not a whole lot. It's really easy to be great in God's kingdom if we realize we don't bring anything to God's kingdom. Just our heart. And we let him do his thing. The people who have a hard time being great in God's kingdom are the ones that think they actually bring something that matters. It's amazing how many people all through scriptures and all through life who are used are, are people who don't offer anything. I remember I was a little boy. I must have been about seven or eight, and I prayed for my dad's headache to go away, and it went away. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't even think, Jesus, heal my dad. And then I went and played, and he was healed. And I thought, yeah, okay. Yeah. But now, at my age, I think, <laughs> you know, I got to work up the fever, you know. Heal my dad. I don't have to think that way. I just have to, I just have to know that God, God is glorious. I am not. We are not. So well on my way to being great in God's kingdom, well on your way to being great in God's kingdom, we have to remember that God is glorious. If we, if we paused on that, if we put a Selah after that, so Selah in the Bible is that word that occurs in the Old Testament quite a bit, Selah, think on this. If we put a Selah after God's glory, the beauty of God's glory, that would be something to think on. Well, this is where I'm going to stop. Selah. We're going to talk more about this. Here's why I want to speak on this. I firmly am convinced, and, and, and I've said things around this and things like this before, but I'm firmly convinced that this congregation, that we're called to be active in this city. And that doesn't mean just on Sunday mornings. And it doesn't mean just putting food into a food pantry or just, doing, just helping this, work, this one organization. It means we carry the gospel out. And we can be great in this city in, for the name of God. But there's that mindset behind it. God's glory, for example. The mindset we have when we go out in the city to do these things, that's what we've got to have. So that's why I want to speak on this. And I want to give just enough today to give you a sense of where we're going. I think we can have a good time with this. I'm convinced that God's been moving here. I, I firmly believe it. I see changed lives. I've seen impact and fruit in ways I never expected. And there's a stirring and a moving that uh, the Holy Spirit's propelling us toward. I still can't tell you all that it is, but I know that we're going to respond to it, and we can be great together. Amen? So please stand up. Lord God, we do very much desire to be great in your kingdom. We want to learn how to do more of this. We can't imagine, Lord, I, I just, we can't imagine your glory, not in that way not in the way of it as a picture or these things, Lord, but we want to do right. We want to bring glory to your name. We want to be active and dynamic force for you in this city. So we pray that you uh, continue to lead us, continue to bless us, Lord. We pray for your hand to be upon us as we go out and we do this, and we just encourage each other along the way. Thank you for this house, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.
Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.